I will. Uh, I'll try to get you to lunch on time. Don't worry. You okay. Apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I see you did that. Um, okay, so the first place we'll start. If you want to go ahead and turn there is Mark 12. Um, if you had an electronic Bible, I'm using the ESV. It might make it easier. Um, but so I, I want to uh, just have a focus on loving God with all your mind. Loving God with all your mind. So if you, if you missed out the Sunday School Hour, there was um, proofs for God's existence. I talked a little bit about apologetics and everything. And I uh, went through a couple different uh, arguments there. Um, and then we're going to finish that up tonight. Um, so this is just in between, uh, just to kind of give you a focus, a passion for actually learning these things. Um, I have a great passion. God has put that within me um, to study the Word, to know God better through the Word. And I want to try to let that rub off on you a little bit. Uh, and if you already are passionate, I want to make you more passionate. So, um, so first off, I want to recognize that it's a command to love God with our mind. And that, that probably sounds a little odd. Um, I'm going to love God with my mind. So that, that, that may seem odd, so let's explore that a little bit. In Mark 12, we're going to look at verses 28 through 30. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. So it's kind of a list there to try to say that everything about you, 100% of you, material and immaterial, everything about you needs to be fully devoted, committed uh, to God. So I don't want to minimize the heart, soul, strength that's mentioned there, but I just want to emphasize the mind today. Uh, that's what I want to talk about. So how do you love God with your mind? That's what this whole lesson's about. And so hopefully uh, you'll, you'll have a great idea of that after we're done. Let's go to 2 Timothy 2.15. Very famous verse, famous for a reason. It's really good. 2 Timothy 2.15. Might be worded a little bit different here in the ESV, but it carries the same basic truth um, for, the, for the end conclusion. 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. There's lots of meaning just kind of packed in there. Um, so we want God's approval. You, you are going to be presenting your life to Christ. Yeah, that, that is going to happen. Um, and you want to be approved. Now, when I say approved, I'm not talking about going to heaven or hell. Uh, we are only talking to believers here. Believers in this context. So this is approved of how you've lived for him, what you've done with your life. Uh, we want to be approved, and so to do that, we must do our best. We must do our best. We, we do not want to be ashamed. Uh, we must be a worker. You notice that? A worker. So it says, do your best to present, to yourself, uh, present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. So you have to do your best at being a worker so that you are approved and won't have shame. Okay, um, so what is the work that you're supposed to be doing your best at so that you will be approved and not have shame? That's the last part of that verse there. Rightly handling the word of truth. Rightly handling the word of truth. If there's a right way, that means there's a wrong way. Is that correct? If there's a right way, there's a wrong way. Okay, so we want to rightly handle the word of truth. Too often today, there's the idea of everyone sitting in a circle, you read a couple verses, you say, what's this mean to you? You know, Bob says, well, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside, and I like it. You know, then it goes around, and, well, Sue, what do you think? And she goes, well, I, I think that it means God is gracious, you know. 
And then you go to the next person, I, I think, you know, and this keeps going, right? And there's no in conclusion, there's no definite meaning. Um, it's just simply how you feel, you know, what's this mean to you? Um, but very clearly, the Bible has one interpretation, one interpretation. There are many applications from those truths, but there's only one interpretation, many applications, okay? And so um, we want to rightly handle the word of truth, find out what that one interpretation is. When we do Bible study, we're trying to figure out what does the author mean? When the author wrote the words, now in Scripture it's a little different because there's a human author and a divine author, right? But they're saying the same thing. They're, they're, they're not contradicting each other. And so we can just say the author, and we're, we're considering both. But when the author wrote, what is it that they meant? They meant a certain thing. They weren't just, you know, blindfolded doodling, you know, and then something happened to come out. They, they sat down, and they were very intentional on what they were writing. And so what did that author mean? That's what Bible study is all about. And so you want to rightly handle the word of truth. Now, rightly handling the word of truth is, uh, has a couple of different ideas. That's how you study and understand it. That's also how you present it, deliver it as well. Um, so in other words, you wouldn't want to uh, take something you find in here and you find out, oh, this, this is a sin. Okay, I see sister so-and-so is doing this sin. So then you take this and you're going to wrongly handle it. And you're going to go up there and just yell at them and beat them over the head, right? Um, that would be wrongly handling the word of truth. Um, in the same sense, also, if you're just reading it, and you're never doing the justice of actually studying, meditating over these things, then you're not rightly handling the word of truth either. And why is this so, so important? There's one big reason. Jesus Christ is the living word and the written word. He is the word of truth. If you mishandle this word, you are mishandling Christ himself. That is super important, super important. All right, so we must, we must do this. Now let's go to Colossians 3. Colossians 3, we're just going to look at the first three verses here. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, and the, the construction of those words in the original language is kind of like, uh, if you are and we know you are. Okay, so it's, it's not like, well, maybe, you know, but it's like you are. So if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears... Oh, I was going to read that anyways. Okay, all right. <laughs> Look at the first three verses. Okay, so um, there's two commands here. Seek and set. These are the two commands. Seek and set. Okay? So where is that found? Right, right in the beginning, it says, Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seek those things. That's your desire. That's your effort. That's your focus. You are seeking it. Okay? Uh, you're not going to just wait passively and let God come to you. Uh, you know, let, let uh, you know, the rainbow sit just right in the sky, and then you're going to think about God. You know? No, you're not, you're not going to do that. You're going to seek him actively. And another active command here, verse 2, set your minds on things that are above. You are not going to set your mind. Now, you have to think about things on earth. You have to. But you're not going to set your mind on those things. You're going to set it on things above eternally. Some people try to say that you can be so heavenly minded you know earthly good. Have you ever heard that before? So heavenly minded you know earthly good. Um, I think it's bogus because <laughs> if you're truly heavenly minded, you are the most earthly good. How could that not be right? <laughs> um, if that's not right, then something's wrong somewhere, you know. Uh, but if you truly are heavenly minded, you are the most earthly good. And that's what this is talking about. Set your mind on things above. Seek him. Okay, so this is an academic pursuit. It's a choice to submit, and it's an eternal focus. Academic pursuit, a choice to submit, and eternal focus.
All right, so that's the command to love God with your minds. Now we're going to look at the passion, the passion to love God with our minds. Let's go to Hebrews 12. So the ultimate example, what's interesting about Hebrews 12, it actually gives many, many, many examples, but the ultimate one, of course, is Christ mentioned here in Hebrews 12. Of course, Hebrews 11, right? So Hebrews is an interesting book. I love it. Uh, we're not sure who the, the author is, but we know it's a Hebrew, writing a bunch of Hebrews, telling them to stop acting like a bunch of Hebrews, right? Um, but uh, in the book of Hebrews, it kind of ramps everything. Everything's connected. It's beautiful. And it's all about how Christ is superior to anything and everything. Um, you know, superior to Moses, superior to the law, superior to angels, superior to Israel, superior to everything. Uh, it just goes on. And it goes, 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 goes. And it says, hey, look, you've been drifting away. You've been wandering away. You're dull of hearing, things like that. You need to get things right. And then so then it talks about how, uh, you know, enduring with faith is, is exactly the most important thing that you need to be doing. Enduring through all of life. And so then he comes to, you know, chapter 10 things. He talks about faith. Faith is so important. But then 11 says this is faith. Starts with the definition, and then it has all these examples of people living out their faith. You have, you know, Abel and Abraham, Noah, Moses, and it just goes on a huge list of people in Hebrews 11. So then we come to Hebrews 12, and it starts with therefore. Now, a good good Bible study tip: when you see the word therefore, always look to see what it's there for, um, and so then it helps you out. So when you see therefore in Hebrews 12:1, you know that it's referring backwards, backwards. And so it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who is this crowd of witnesses? It's all the people in Hebrews 11. All these people that have lived their life by faith, by faith, being very heavenly minded, which made them earthly good, you know. And so, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that doesn't mean the believers in the sky staring at you. No, that's not what's happening. Um, the, the, these are cloud of witnesses. The people have gone before. They have witnessed what? What have they witnessed? God's faithfulness, God's goodness. And that God is real, very real. His promises are true. That's what they witnessed. And so since we have that great cloud of witnesses, we're surrounded by it. There's so much evidence in the Word of God. So what do we do? Here's a command. Let us also lay aside every weight. And that let us there is the idea where the, the author is saying, I'm commanding all of us to do it. Like I, I'm doing it because it's commanded. And I want you to join me. Join me. And you, you must do this. Join me in doing it. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So weight and sin, what is weight? Well, it's not sin, because it says weight and sin. Okay, so what is weight? Weight is talking about running a race. It's what slows you down, right? Weight slows you down in a race. You, can, you might train with weights, but when you actually run the race that counts, you will take off as much weight as possible. And trust me, guys, this life that we're living, this is the race that counts. And so we want to lay off the weight and the sin. So what is the weight? It's the stuff holding you back. It's stuff that's not necessarily sin. Um, so like it's not sin to, to watch a football game, right? But if you're watching 20 a week, <laughs> it's definitely a weight. It's holding you back. It doesn't even need to be that extreme. Uh, just think about what there is that's holding you back. Um, you know, how many minutes or hours do you spend um, in the Word, in prayer, in walking with God, in relationship with God in a given day or in a given week? Uh, then think to yourself, well, could I be doing more? Okay, then you think, well, what, what would I, what can I, what am I able to give up to do more? So some of us, we live a life where we think, well, um, if it's not sin, it's okay, I'm going to do it. But we should live a life that says, well, how much more can I glorify God? Am I able, am I possibly able to glorify God more, to spend more time with Him? Um, it's a passion that we need to instill in ourselves. And a lot of times that passion comes just by forcing ourselves to do it. We just need to do it, and then the passion comes. Because it's that mind that comes first. 
Our mind is like the head of the train. You're setting it somewhere and the rest follows. Emotions, habits, it all follows. But we just need to set our mind on these things. So therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Okay, so then you go, okay, well, I see the other examples of faith and things, um, but, but uh, you know, what? They're, they're all failures at some point, right? They're all human beings. Human beings all sin and mess up at some point. I do, you do, we all do. Um, and so then the author gives the ultimate perfect example, which is Jesus Christ. Think about the race that he endured. You look at the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. All that he endured, and he endured it flawlessly. And how did he endure flawlessly? He get, they give us the great example. It was because of his mindset. It's because he was seeking the things that are above. He set his mind on heavenly things. That's how he did it. That's how we can do it. We can do it in theory. Now, we do have a sin nature that keeps drawing us away. But God has given us every resource and opportunity to do what's right and to succeed. Every bit of it. So then it says in verse 2, looking to Jesus. It's that setting your mind the founder and perfecter of our faith. He started it and he's finishing it. He's sanctifying you. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Who, for the joy that was set before him. That's amazing. Okay, so he's thinking about what, you know, what joy did he have? He was thinking about his relationship with us. He was thinking about his relationship with the Father. He was thinking about all that will be accomplished by, by redeeming mankind, by going through with this thing perfectly flawlessly. Uh, that joy. Do you have joy that you're looking forward to? Sometimes we slack off in the Christian life because our minds aren't set in the right place. Because when we start to set our minds in something, if all you're thinking about is, you know, wearing a tunic, playing a harp on a cloud, um, that, that ain't going to cut it. <laughs> when, when life gets tough, that ain't going to cut it. That's not going to be good enough. Um, but there is true, real joys to be had in heaven. Um, and that I'm not going to go into all that today. I just don't have the time. Um, but essentially, you know, you can think about the relationship you're going to have, the, the lack of sin, uh, the purpose and mission that God has. All your purpose and mission is not just before uh, death. It is also after death. Uh, God still has purpose and mission for you. So check into that. Okay, so now let's go uh, to 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter, especially chapter 1, is all about knowing. It's all about knowledge. Uh, Peter is hammering this point home over and over again. He uses the word knowledge in verse 2 and in verse 3 and in verse 5 and 6 and 8. I have it all circled here. <laughs> and then he talks about a reminder later on in the chapter. And he goes on and on. He goes, knowing, knowing, knowledge, knowledge. That's what it's all about. We need to know. It's that confidence. It's that assurance. It's that mind. Loving God with all your mind. You're knowing things. Okay. So let's read, um, I'm just going to actually read verse 3, even though I want to just do the whole chapter. But uh, verse 3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Wow. Okay, think about that statement. Just pause and reflect on that for a moment. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Every bit, anything. Anything that you would possibly need uh, for life, living life. And to be righteous, to be godly, to not sin and thrive in God's eyes. Everything you possibly could want for that, those missions, he has given. How? By his divine power. 
But, but how do I access that, right? That's the big question. That's the most important question at this point. How do I access all that pertains to life and godliness? It says, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Through the knowledge of him. How do you have knowledge of God? It's the word. This is Christ. Remember that? He is the living word and the written word. This is him. This is God. This is truth. This is truth. And so how do you have all that? It's through the word of God. That's how you can know it, the written word. And Peter does a great job, especially verses 16 through 21. And he talks about how scripture was produced. And he says, hey, look, we didn't just make this up, guys. We're eyewitnesses. Uh, Peter says, I was one of the three that was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. I saw Jesus lifted up, shining. Moses and Elijah, pop, pop, they popped up, they're shining. They had some kind of conversation there. And uh, they had all, all, these, all these sorts of wonderful things are happening. He says, you know what, I have, I have something more sure or more fully confirmed or whatever your translation says. And it is the, the written word of God, the word of prophecy. Wow. It's more sure. It's the knowledge. It's the confidence in God. So set your mind on those things. Seek those things. Uh, like Christ, he had the joy set before him. He endured even the cross. We do not have to endure what Christ endured. We, he is so good to us. We do not have to endure the level of intensity that he had. I mean, bearing the wrath of the Father for all sin of all time, we, we can't imagine that. We can't imagine that, uh, that, that alone. Um, and, but he did it with joy because of his mindset. He was loving the Father with his mind. Okay, um, so let's see here. We must, I'll read this. We must love God with all of our mind as we focus on him and what he offers as we academically pursue God in study, relationship, and proclamation. Study, relationship, and proclamation. Okay? All right, so um, this is all, that's all I really have for my main message. I want to rush through it because I want you to think about all these things, analyze your life for just a moment. Um, are you loving God with all of your mind? There's heart, there's strength, there's body, right? All these things, that, that, that's there too. Right now we're just going to focus on the mind. Are we? Think about are, are, how much time are we spending in a day, in a week to do these sort of things? How much time are we spending? Uh, I, I want today to be a day where you make some decisions. Because even if you are doing well, we could all do better. We, could, we always could do better. You need to constantly be challenging yourself. Constantly be challenging yourself. Do more, do more, do more. Are we memorizing scripture? Are we meditating on scripture? Um, how much are we in prayer? Uh, what, what does that look like? And that's, you know, that's a personal decision. You, you, you make that on your own. Uh, that's between you and God. Uh, but I just want to encourage that conversation to happen between you and the Lord. Uh, and what can happen? How can I glorify God more? How do I love him with all of my mind? Okay? Uh, just think about those things. So, uh, short, shorter message today. I probably should have slowed down a little bit. Uh, but I wanted to make sure I got you guys out in a decent time. Um, so, the existence for God, we have um, some four other... See, now, tonight, I'm going to make up for it tonight. I might, I might end up going just a couple minutes over. But, um, but I've, you know, those comments early, the last two, this service and the last one. So, you, you know, okay, I'm going to make up for it. Um, but this evening, it's going to be really cool, though. I have four more arguments for God's existence, and uh, they're even more intense. They really up the level uh, than the first two. So I really hope you guys can be here. Bring somebody that could use it, uh, whether believer or unbeliever. Bring somebody that could use it, and uh, that'd be that'd be really awesome. Um, I do have cards at the back under the mirror. It has uh, my website, my uh, YouTube channel, email, things like that, all there for you to access. Um, anytime, anytime that you would have an apologetic question or something, 
feel free, of course, to use your pastor. He's a good man, uh, well-educated. Um, but as well, I am another resource. I am another resource that you could use um, and bounce some things off of. Uh, to make some requests there to see something. I hope you dig into theology. I hope you dig into that. Okay? Um, I'll, I'll pray, and then, Pastor, you can come on up. Heavenly Father, thank you very much for the many blessings you've given to us, primarily the Word, your Word, Lord. Uh, we are honored to have this treasure, especially in America, with uh, just so much abundance of it and so many translations and commentaries. We have so much access that has never been before. I pray that we would take advantage of that access, not just thank you for it, but utilize it. I pray that we would be passionately pursuing you uh, mentally, um, academically, to love you with all of our mind, and so that we can be prepared to make disciples uh, most efficiently for your glory and your honor. I pray, Lord, that we would worship you with our thoughts today. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen.